0: Hey, I do want to talk to you this morning about good history. That's the title of the, of the sermon, Good History. And uh, I've been mentioning for several weeks now that, uh, that I was going to do an apologetic uh, sermon. And, uh, and we'll be looking maybe more of a, I hate to use the word scientific, maybe a more of a secular view of the Bible and the, and the things of the Bible. And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans 3 and 4. Romans 3 and 4. And I hope you've got your Bibles. Now, if you was here Wednesday night, you know that the book of Romans was written to the church in Rome. And you also know it was written by Apostle Paul. Romans 3 and 4. And it says, may it never be. Rather, God be found true and every man be found a liar. And I'll be saying that. And, uh, you know, I've thought later on in the week, maybe I should have named this sermon, Let God Be True and Every Man Be Found a Liar. And, And that's really not in this scripture. If, you know, if you take this verse in context, it's not saying that every man is a liar. What it's saying is, if man argues with God or a man argues with the word of God, then obviously the man is a liar. Because God is true. Does that make sense? I'll read it again. It says, let God be found true, and he will be. And you can prove that in in your life. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if you want to prove the will of God, and you want to prove that God is good, transform your mind by the renewing with the word, And you'll prove the will of God. And it says that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, it says, let God be found true and every man be found a liar. So, we're going to be looking at good history. And we're going to be looking at uh, how the world looks at history and we're going to look, be looking at the, how the world looks at science. Now, notice I didn't say how the church looks at it, and how the world looks at science, and how the world looks at astrology, and how the world looks at archaeology, not how the church looks at it, but how the world looks at it. Uh, in fact, the, the, the thought just came to my mind. Me and Gary Rayburn, uh, we was uh, we was at McLean'sboro one time. We pulled in this parking lot. And we was waiting on a gentleman. And uh, there's a, a man there, an, an older gentleman, uh, him and uh, looked like he may be his grandson. And uh, we started witnessing to him and gave him a, started to give him a CD. And the older gentleman, he said, uh, he said whoa, he said, I'm, I'm way, too, way too intelligent for that. And he was talking about, you know, talking about the scripture. And uh, if you've witnessed very much at all, you, you will run across... Uh, deep thinkers is what I I would call them, deep thinkers. But the problem with most deep thinkers that have a problem with the Word of God and and the history and the archaeology and the astronomy that the Bible proclaims, the problem with that is they have never studied it. And they know absolutely nothing about it. (laughs) Zero. But yet they think they know. Even though they've never opened the pages. And that brings me to another thought that how crazy is this world that we live in today when a police officer cannot protect himself from harm in the line of duty. How crazy is that? And how crazy is it when we live in a society where a teacher or a professor can bash the Bible and talk about the Bible and ridicule students that put their trust and faith in the Bible even though that teacher has never read the Bible or studied the Bible. But on the other hand, you have a teacher that has read the Bible, studied the Bible, and knows all about the Bible. They can't say nothing. How crazy is that? If you don't know squat about it, you can talk all you want. But if you know something about it, you can't say nothing. (laughs) How crazy is that? I'm tired of it. Are you uns? Huh? And let God be found true and every man be a liar. I'm telling you. Is there anybody here that wants to live a lie? Is there anybody? I can't imagine anybody wanting to live a lie and put their time and energy into things. And I lived a lie for 27 years of my life. I lived a lie. And it got me nowhere. It got me into a mess, separated from my wife. It was was terrible. But then I found out the truth. And now, praise God. You know what? I don't know if. <laughs> and now I'm living the truth. Amen. A lie is not good, a truth is better. Yeah. All right. So, what we're going to look at this morning, what we're going to look at this morning is how the Bible is historically accurate, how it's scientifically accurate. How astrology confirms its accuracy, how the medical field, if the medical field would listen to the Bible, they, countless lives would be alive if, if, throughout history if they'd listen to the Bible. Prophetically, it's accurate. The only thing is, I'm not going to include the prophetic things today because it is so extensive, and I'm not going to include today, and I don't know if I'll include it next week or maybe later on sometime, but I will be uh, bringing those facts and, and preaching on that one time. And then also, the Bible is thematically correct. It is thematically correct, meaning that all through the Bible over all the hundreds of years that it was written and all the different writers and all the different countries and three different languages, it has the same theme from front to the back. Mm-hmm. The same theme. The same theme from front to the back. The Bible was written in over a span of 1,600 years by 40 different authors how crazy is that? Three different continents in three different languages, and yet the same theme is throughout the entire Bible. How can that be? Well, there's one writer of the Bible, and that's God. Amen. Men of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, the first thing, the first thing we're going to look at is the eyewitness test. And, of course, in the courts today, the secular world, they put a lot of emphasis on an eyewitness. You know that an eyewitness can send you to jail? You know that? Well, guess how many eyewitnesses there was to Jesus after he was crucified on the cross and laid dead in a a tomb for three days and rose again on the third day. Guess how many eyewitnesses seen him? Over 500. And one witness, one eyewitness can put you in jail and people have problems with 500 and that's just one. Now see, now here's the thing. I truly believe, okay, faith. The Bible wants us to live by faith. God's asked us to live by faith. Well, faith is not closing our eyes and blindly following God not knowing where you're going, that is not faith. That is stupidity. Okay? That's not good. How many of you want to see me close my eyes and then run back and forth here as many times as I can until I fall off? Who wants to see that? Johnny does. (laughs) Lucas does. Melissa, do you have your hand up? You didn't. You're a sweet girl. <laughs> yes. But see, that's not faith at all. But see, sometimes the world considers that. They think, sometimes the world, the world thinks that if you believe the Bible and you're a Christian, that you take your mind out and you set it to the side and then say, okay, I believe. That's not true. That is, that is one of the great lies of the devil. What God wants us to do, He wants to prove himself through the stars, through history, through eyewitnesses, through countless changed lives. He wants to prove himself to us that we will believe him and follow him. Amen. Amen. God don't care to prove himself to you. If, you're, if you doubt that there is a God, you just hang around here for a while, and you'll believe for after a while. So, we're going to use the same methods. So, I told you about the eyewitnesses that, that seen Jesus. Well, see, Moses was there when the Red Sea was parted, and, and all those Egyptians passed on dry ground. He was there, and he wrote it down. He wrote it, and it's in the Bible. He was there, and he wrote down those accounts. You can read about it in Exodus 15. Eyewitness account of this is what happened, and he wrote it down. You know the History Channel; they've got some channel, some shows that are good, and some of them are just funny. Uh, and actually, a couple of years ago, they come out. They had a show, and they had basically disproved uh, the parting of the Red Sea and, and all of that. And they said their theory was that in a certain time of year under the right conditions, the Red Sea was only about knee high, okay? So they said more than likely that's, you know, that's when it happened, that's when they went on and and stuff. So they basically explained it away. And of course, but somebody figured out that this was actually a greater miracle than first thought. Because instead of just all the the thousands of Egyptians crossing over the Red Sea, all of Pharaoh's men and all of Pharaoh's horses and all of his chariots drowned in knee-deep water. (laughs) So the History Channel actually confirmed it's a greater miracle than we all thought. Oh, you got to watch what you see on TV, I tell you. Oh, and that brings me to one more point. If you don't care, this is a side note. Please, please, please do not get your news from Good Morning America. Oh, my goodness. I cannot watch that show. Now, if you want to know about the puppies in the world and sea lions and stuff like that, that's fine. But don't go there to get serious news, please, okay? Because it's not. Okay, so back to the eyewitness. See, Joshua was there. Joshua was there when the walls of Jericho fell down. And do you know what he done? He wrote it down. He wrote the events of that day. And he wrote it down. And guess what else? The events that Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, all the events, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, guess what they did? They wrote it down. Eyewitnesses. People that was there. People that seen that. And they, they wrote them down. Another way that secular, secular world determines good history from bad history is by archaeologists, by their findings. And the Bible passes this test again and again. See, Israel... Is a real place. You can go there. I've been there. Carlin, Justine, lot, Kay, Sister Kate, a lot of we, we we've been there. We have seen it. Bethlehem is a real place. The pool of Siloam, where the blind man was healed and portions of Herod's temple. They are real places that have been dug up. The Bible talks about them, and they've dug them up and said, Yeah, this is it. They're real places. The book of Acts is all about history. And Luke, a historian as well as a doctor, he wrote the book of Acts. And listen to this. He talks about 54 cities. This is all, this is all Bible. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he talks about 54 cities, 39 countries, nine different islands, and all of them completely historically Accurate. How'd he do that? He was there. He lived it. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. 54 cities, 39 countries, nine different islands, all completely historically true. How many of you could do that? Huh? Is there anybody here that could uh, name off 54 cities and 39 countries? Real quick, 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 quick. Anybody? No. Well, he wasn't there. Luke was there, and he wrote it down. You know, for a long time, a whor- historians were not really sure if this man Solomon really lived, you know, during the Old Testament times or not. And, and they actually wrote that, and the historians, they actually believed that even if he was a real man or a real person, he certainly didn't have horses because in that region of, of the world they didn't have horses then until i say until they dug up megiddo and we've been to megiddo and they discovered one of solomon's chariot cities that had hundreds and hundreds of stables for horses so see here, all these smart people was arguing. Now oh, that that Solomon guy, he he's not right. He's not in the Bible. The Bible's not right. It's not right. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. And guess who was right? The Bible was right. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Once again, not every man's a liar. But if you're arguing with God, you're a liar. Right. Amen. There's only one way, and that's his way. Another one is a group of people. The, the Hittites was a lineage of people. And, you know, and the only place you could read about the Hittites was, uh, was in the Bible. And nobody believed in them. Nobody, they just thought, well, it's just another one of them things the Bible writes about that's not right. That's what the secular world would, was talking about. Until in the early 1900s and Hugo Winkler discovered the capital of the Hittites. And now you can look in any encyclopedia. You can go on the internet. You can go anywhere you want to and you can read about the Hittites. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Amen. Amen. Nobody wants to live a lie. Okay. Let's see. Where's the kid at? Not over there, that's for sure. The kids definitely aren't over there. (laughs) All right. How many ones did you give me, Doc? 10? Okay, kids. The first one that can tell me what this is. (laughs) How about a dollar, Doc? (laughs) I'm too tight for that. (laughs) 15 and under. The first one that can tell me what that is gets a dollar. A bag phone. You what? Oh, yeah, you're disqualified. I should slap you upside. Who was next? You want a dollar anyway? Uh, Which? Who what? You want one? You want one? You want one? We're going to 10, boys. We're going to 10. Oh, there is? Yeah, no, that, yeah. that one's mine there. That one's <laughs> There you go. You're a good man, Doc. You're a good man. Okay. This here. Okay, now we're talking about science. <laughs> this used to be cutting edge right here. Okay. This was cutting edge. (laughs) Me and Elaine was talking about this this morning. She used to have one. Uh, Now, the thing of... (laughs) Was that in the 60s? No. (laughs) No, you said it was in the 90s. But anyway, now for you young people, you you won't know this, but this was a bag phone. The thing about a bag phone is you really couldn't talk to nobody. (laughs) Because the signals were terrible. And there wasn't any towers nowhere. So like the worst cell phone service you can think about today, that's what a bag phone was. But at one time, scientifically speaking, this was cutting edge. You know, I remember, uh, oh, years ago, uh, my buddy Bear, he had this great big computer. Uh, I'll tell you, this computer was as big as my desk in my office, wasn't it, Bear? It was a monster. The only thing is we couldn't, we, we didn't know it, we couldn't make it do nothing. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't make it do anything. But now you get a little old cell phone, and my point is, at one time, that big old desk of a computer, that was cutting edge. You know, one of the most useless things there is, is a science book that's 20 years old. Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, they're, they're completely obsolete. But the Bible's not obsolete. Absolutely. You would think that as much as things change in the world, that there would be some inaccuracies in the Bible. Wouldn't you? you I mean, you would think so. For one... You know, for hundreds of years, science said that the Earth was flat. Right? right. right. I mean, they, they said that the Earth was was flat for hundreds of years. But you don't find that in the Bible. It's, it they don't say the wor- world is flat. And actually, in Isaiah forty twenty two, it says God is enthroned above the sphere of the Earth. God said centuries ago, thousands of years ago, that the earth is round. Yeah, that's right. what, about, uh, what about Columbus and Galileo? You know, here's, here's what I think sometimes they, they want to teach you in school. They want to teach you that Columbus and Galileo they knew they thought the world was flat, everybody did, they thought the world was flat, so they just they're gonna make a run for it, okay? They're just gonna what is it, cowabunga? Is that what they say? You just cowabunga and and run off the side of the side of the earth. I don't know. That they done cowabunga twenty years ago. I don't know what they do now. <laughs> what do they do now when you run and do something stupid. So here they are running cowabunga, you know, going a mile and a half on this boat. Mile and a half an hour, you know. But you know what led Columbus? His faith. Was anybody taught that in school? Let me read you from Columbus's own writings. Let me read this to you. Now listen to this. It was the Lord who put this into my mind. I could feel his hand upon me. That would it be possible to sail from here to the Indies? All who heard about my project rejected it with laughter and ridiculed me. This is Columbus rightness. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scripture. Man. And you guys thought he was a daredevil. You thought he was a crazy idiot. No. He was a man of faith is what he was. They ridiculed him and laughed at him. Let every man be a liar. And God be true. I love that. You know, for also, actually for thousands of years, I started to say hundreds, but actually thousands of years, you know, they believed that, Something held up the earth, right? I mean, something held up the earth. Any, any Greek people here? What, what? And if you was... and it kind of depended on your philosophy of that was where you know where you was born and raised at, and what philosophy that that you was taught under. And the Greek culture. Now, some of you should know this. They believed that the earth was held up by Atlas. And this was common belief. It was taught in their schools. You know, it was taught on a, on a regular basis. But, you know, even though some of the Bible is written in Greek, it don't talk about Atlas nowhere in the Bible. And you would think some of those things would be in there. They're not in there. You would think they would. See, back in that day, that was common science. Everybody knew. How's the, how's, the, how's the world suspended? Well, Atlas is holding it up. That was just common stuff. If you had a test, how's the world held up? You, you write down Atlas. Now, here's one for you. The Hindus believed that the earth sat on the back of a giant elephant. This, this is not a joke. I'm serious now, okay? And see, when that elephant would move, that's what caused earthquakes when he walked. <laughs> I guess he didn't move very often, I guess, did he? <laughs> okay, well, so that begs the question, what did the elephant stand on? Because you, you know. So the elephant, and this is what they taught. This is what was, this was the science of the day. So the elephant stood on the back of a giant sea turtle, and the giant sea turtle stood on the back of a giant sea serpent who swam through the cosmic sea. And if you was raised in that culture, and you had a test, and you, they ask you, what does the earth, what holds the earth up, you would have to list that because that's what they was taught, but that's not in the Bible. And even with, uh, with Moses, of course, you just know that he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And he wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote those. Now, now what the Egyptians wrote, and they were so good at so many things. Uh, astronomy, and they built the pyramids, and architectural stuff. They were so good at all of that stuff. But here's what the Egyptians taught. The Egyptians taught that the world was held up by five pillars. And Moses, he attended the the finest schools they had because now after his adoption, he was Pharaoh's grandson. And he attended the finest schools they had. But you know what? Moses never once mentions about the earth being held up by five pillars. Not once. And you'd think that'd be in there. Why isn't it in there? Because it's not true. In fact, the oldest literature literature Known to man. Does anybody know what it is? Job. The book of Job. The oldest literature known by man. Listen to what it says in Job 26, 7. God stretches the sky over an empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. And here's about the way it's going to work. This earth is going to hang here on nothing until God says otherwise. Amen. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. See, we can trust the Bible. We, here, here, here's I like this one. I'm almost done. Stay with me just for another moment. I love this one. For hundreds of years, they thought that there was, now they didn't guess, this was thought. This was, this was science years and years and years ago that there was 1,022 stars. And they thought that for, for a long, long time until one day they thought, oh, nope, we missed four there's really 1,026. <laughs> and then, and you know, we all know we was out riding the other night and we was looking at the Big Dipper and we never could find this Little Dipper and we knew there was a lot more stars than that. But you know what? God spoke through Jeremiah. In Jeremiah thirty-three twenty-two. he says, the number of the stars are Infinite. And and just every, I don't know, every 15 or 20 years, you know, the uh, astrologers, they find another galaxy. And every time I hear that, it's just like, well, just keep a looking because you're not going to find them all. (laughs) See, God knows. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Well, I've got a lot more to share with you, but I'm out of time. I'm 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 going to share one more with you. How many of you know anything about the bubonic plague? Bubonic plague swept through Europe, killed roughly 25% of all population. It could have been completely eliminated if they'd only read the Bible. Bubonic plague, what happened was, they, uh, there, was a, there was an outbreak and sick people would sit beside and sleep beside and eat beside well people and on and on and on. They didn't know anything about quarantine or anything like that. And 25%, just imagine if, if we split this room and 25% was gone except it's across the whole continent of Europe. Just imagine that. The havoc that that would, re- would reap. But you know what? God led Moses to write in Leviticus 13.4. And it says, put an infection person in quarantine for seven days. See, Moses wrote this long before they knew anything about germs, before they knew anything about medicine. But God knew. If you'll just take that person out there for seven days, and it goes on, if we read that a little bit farther, he would say, and then bring them back. And if they're still sick, put them back out there for another seven days. I've told you all that. To tell you this, that God is who he says he is. We can trust him. Just like Columbus trusted God. Why? Because he got a leading from the Holy Spirit and he got inspiration from the word of God. Man, that's a sermon right there, isn't it? You know what? God didn't just do that for Columbus, but he'll do the same thing for you and I. Amen. Go ahead, praise team, whenever you're ready. Now, I do want to caution you about something. Hopefully, I've answered some questions. Now, this sermon really wasn't for the believers here today. This sermon is for you to take with you. Uh, We'll put it on some CDs. This sermon is to take with you for your deep-thinking friends. Maybe, I'll tell you what this sermon would be good for. It would be great to give to seniors in high school. Give it to them before they go off to college before they go off into an atmosphere that is ungodly and completely against the Bible. That, it would be so good for that. But let me warn you. If you are waiting for God to answer all of your questions that you have, it'll never happen. It will never happen. And let me tell you why. If you had every question that you have answered about God, it would not require faith. I mean, it'd be, it would take no faith to follow God if you had absolutely zero questions. If you ever come to God, if you never have, or and if you ever will, you will have questions because sometimes faith has questions. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me, please.